Hi friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Tie That Binds podcast with me, your host, Ty. This is the show where we talk to interesting people, we have thought-provoking conversations and discuss interesting ideas, and if we're lucky, at the end, we're able to tie it all back together. This time around, we're trying something a bit different. We are trying our very first remote podcast with my new friend, Lawrence, from South Carolina. Lawrence and I discuss him traveling to the Middle East, maybe why he thinks I look and sound a bit like Jordan Peterson, he tells us about teaching grade 8, and we touch on the differences between the United States of America and Canada. So sit back and relax, and have a listen to Lawrence and myself on the Tie That Binds podcast. Alright, good enough. Alright, so then, so just go from there. Lawrence, how are you? Good to see you. It's actually nice to see, I'm sure it's nice for you to see me, let's just say that, I guess, because the last time we did this, uh, I foolishly didn't have my microphone, or my camera on, because I just didn't know that I didn't have it on. I just assumed it was on. <laughs> you, you look very brainy. It's, it's interesting. I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised in a good way when I, when I saw oh, you. Well, I mean... A compliment's a compliment. I don't care when it, where it comes from or how it comes, but a compliment is always very much appreciated. So I thought, I no, because I thought you kind of, I pictured you as Jordan Peterson kind of for some reason, because I'm, I don't know, like I, you have the same sort of inflection and intonation. It was, it was interesting. I mean, he's a fellow good, a good fellow Canadian boy. I mean, that's certainly not by any stretch of the imagination, uh, a slander by any means. Uh, I wish I was, I wish I was as eloquent speaking as he is, but I might not be. Well, I, you're, you're going to clear getting there. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, you know what? I, I already hit record, so we're doing this. Um, You were telling me when I was on your show, The Psychic Plumage, which for me, that was an outstanding show. Um, Like I said, I regretfully didn't, I regretfully didn't have my camera turned on, Um, but I had all kinds of fun. That was a great, a great way to spend an hour and a half or however long it was. But you were telling me that, uh, you spent some time with Jordan and you speak Arabic. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I guess it just speaks to me, like just trying whatever I can think of, of trying and meeting new people. I wanted to like go and hang out with people from a different culture. And I also wanted to be young and impressive and like, you know, really cringe and do some shit, like going to the cafe and like have my Arabic out. So like a girl sees it and goes, Ooh, what's that? You know, it started out kind of as, as the kids would say, this sort of gay notion of, oh, like, wouldn't this be cool if I did this and get this kid looking for identity? But eventually I started to take it more seriously and actually had fun, you know, doing it instead of just, like, trying to trying to show off. I was very insecure when I was first learning it when I was, like, 19 or 20. I guess it was my way of trying to get my self-confidence, you know, like learning another language by talking to people as much as you possibly can. And, um, you know, embarrassing yourself, you know, saying that, you know, your mom, your mom is a table or something like that. You do it over and over again until you learn. And that really kind of helped me develop some cojones, I guess, with so, people. So you went from New Jersey. How did you end up in Jordan? Like those, those lines to me don't line up, especially because we're in the same boat. You know, we're fairly young Caucasian males. How do you end up there? How do you end up? In that part of the world, speaking Arabic at that type of, at that, you know, style of age. Like, what's that all about? 
Well, it's it's like I, I just got addicted to approaching people who spoke Arabic and, and I wanted to kind of know what they were all about and they're so hospitable. Like these, this is the beauty of learning another language. Even if even if and I kind of jump around, I have bad ADHD. I don't even know if that's a thing or anything. But I think that um, learning another language has a lot of social benefits as well. And with AI and Google Translate and stuff like that, um, pulling out your phone, you know, being kind of a tool who says, oh, "I want to know where the bathroom is," and then hold the phone out and play the recording. Like that's fine. But when you can walk up to a person and just unhindered speak eloquently in another language or at least conversationally they they like you and they want to spend time with you and I, I guess you know i was looking for that so i talked to my doctor who was arab and he said why don't you come stay you know you're an interesting dude just come stay at my house in, in jordan and it was, i stayed there for a few months and that was cool um i also went to egypt for a little bit in morocco but i just really like the middle east and what year was this this was God, 11 years ago now, 12 years ago now. I'm 32 now, so I've recently had a birthday. Well, happy belated birthday. Thank you very much. 12 years ago, yeah, I went to um, Morocco and, and Israel. Israel was probably the scariest um, occurrence you know, because I, I was apprehended immediately as soon as I exited the plane. And they kind of just had me adrift in the airport, not letting me leave or stay, or like stay in one place for too long without being hassled. Like they make me dump out my bags over and over again. And they're like, "What's this? This book? Who's calling you? Explain your phone contacts." I go up to buy food, and they'd be like, "Open up your bag, dump it out." Like, and some people wouldn't even talk to me. Like, people would sit at the table. I talked to them just for like some affection. They just they had a guy following me, talking to a walkie-talkie like all the time. It was crazy. I loved it. It was sick. <laughs> It's funny you say that because I remember listening to a Joe Rogan podcast uh, and it was, uh, I don't know who the who the guest was, but he was a world explorer and he said something very similar about living or going to the Middle East that they were tracked uh, once they got uh, into the wherever they were. I don't know if it was Israel or wherever they were, but that's, you know, that part of the world. They were heavily tracked. They were monitored very closely. They had to claim themselves, you know, check in with the local authorities very often, like way more often than they probably should have. And, and, and just they just wanted really close tabs and, and asked to see the pictures on their phone. They wanted to see the digital cameras, what's on your SD cards. And, and to me, that seems ridiculous. But I mean, uh, but I, mean, I don't live there, so I don't know if that's customary or if they're fearful of the white man. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, when when I went, I was classified. You talk about being monitored. There was like a system at that time. There was a tiered system of people entering the country in Israel. You were like a one through a five. If you were a five, you were like going to be apprehended, and you were designated for threat, terrorist level. And maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong about the specifics about that indiv each individual level, rather. But I was level four. So I was one away from being like red zone. I might just wake up in prison. And I was like calling my mom and crying I'm like a bitch. I was like, Mom, you know, gotta get me out of this. You know, can you buy me my ticket back? Blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was fun, basically. I mean, I look back on it now and I'm happy I did it. But at the time, it was terrifying. So what, what about you made you a level four? I mean, I, don't, I'm, I have no concept of the levels, but like what, what you seem like a pretty unassuming guy. What could possibly make you that high of a risk? Maybe I look like a guy who's just collecting data and selling it to, you know, the highest bidder or whatever. But mainly it was because I had Arabic in my Arabic diaries and stuff in my bag. And I had, um, 
I came in from Moscow, which was weird. Like automatically that bumps you up, I think, level. So, and then me having um, Arabic books, me, and they brought some guy after two days, not to jump around, but he came, he had a suit, a tie, and he had the air of a person with a good amount of authority. And he sat next to me and he put his leg, his hand on the leg, and he said, you know, well, do you consider, why are you here? Do you consider yourself religious? I think he was testing to see if I had revulsion toward him. Um, and that's why he did it. But I'm like, just chill. And I said, no. And he said, all right, well, you can go now. And then I was allowed to leave and go home. So why, why did you come in through Moscow? <clears throat> it was cheap. So that's, this is purely an economical thing. You left New Jersey. You left New Jersey, flew into Moscow, Moscow to Israel. Yeah, and Moscow to Israel. Um, it wasn't uncommon for me to go to another country first. But instead of going to Dubai, like I did the other times, uh, Dubai is sick. Dubai has like holographs. It's like Jedi Arabs standing there, like tall holograms, commanding voices. And, but then you go to Moscow and it's I don't know, kind of the opposite of Israel. Nobody bothered me. I, I, so, I mean, I've never been to Dubai and I've never been to Russia, but... Um, I don't want to speak highly of Russia right now, but uh, I've I've been told St. Petersburg and Moscow are, are beautiful cities. The architecture is is ancient, uh, lovely, lots of colors. I've been to Eastern Europe before, uh, lots of colors. You know what I mean? Uh, never, I mean, I've never been uh, to Dubai either, but I mean, I've been around long enough to know that there's lots of money there. The architecture is nice. There's lots of hot rods. You know, the money's clearly there. Yeah, lots of like importing women and slaves, and you know that's just it's a different world over there, I guess. So yeah, I I, I did that, and then after that, I kind of just had a regular, honest life as a public school teacher, um, and you know married a woman I met in college, and I'm sure I did lots of other things along the way, but that's been the gist of my life now. So you're in South Carolina right now. Yes, I'm in South Carolina right now. Um, I moved from New Jersey because I don't like the cold. <laughs> I mean, I get it. <laughs> Sorry if I offended you. No, 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 no. We're we're just getting we're just getting into the cold season here. I mean, uh, the clocks went spring ahead. The clocks went back last weekend, so now it's dark at five thirty here where I am. I don't know what it's like for you, but uh, it's dark. It's dark as fuck at five thirty. Uh, we're getting cold, you know, we wake up in the morning, there's a little bit of frost everywhere. I mean, I totally get it. I get it. I mean, if I had the opportunity to go to somewhere south, I probably would as well. Anything that makes my nuts shrivel up, I don't like it. I get it. <laughs> I need all the appearance I can get. I mean, yeah, I mean, who am I? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I'm not even a skier. I don't snowboard. I don't, I mean, I have skied, but I don't, I don't snowmobile. I don't play hockey. I don't do any of that stuff. So, I mean. Do you like your team? What's that? Sorry. Like poutine. I mean, sure. I mean, I think it. You know what? I, I poutine. Poutine. Actually, that's how it's I said. Um, I actually believe it or not, I actually find it a little bit much. It's it is it's, a lot. It's a lot. Um, French fries are great. I I I I like uh like a beef or vegetable stock gravy. They're uh, that's good too. And I and I love cheese curds. But sometimes, the three of those things at the same place at the same time in a little paper cup. From from a, a a food truck or a trailer, uh, sometimes I find that a fair bit. It's it's a lot sometimes. Yeah, it's like you run out of stamina. Like you and like four other women totally pass out before you get to the finish line. 
that's how I feel about GTA 2, but I love that, you know? But, I mean, how much does a guy really need, though? At what, at what point in time do you really just admit, I don't need all of this? No, I, I really don't. And, you know, I'm a lot happier since I need a lot less, I guess. So you do some sort of, like, elimination diet, do you? Or maybe day fasting? Or just or just you're, you're responsible to yourself that you just don't eat a gluttonous diet? I, I've always been extremely thin. To people who want to get thin, who are overweight, you're not going to be able to... Most people are not able to do it through willpower. They have to change the way that they think about eating through like a system that they establish. I don't know. I'm not an expert on diets, but I think about food like, oh, I'm done eating now because I'm no longer hungry. Like that's a shift that, you know, that I guess I shouldn't even talk because I've always thought that way. You know, people ask me how I get thin and I say that. That's actually a really healthy way to uh, approach food. I think just eat till you're not hungry any longer. And there's no shame in not finishing your plate if you're not hungry anymore. Then just, you don't have to eat and eat to excess either. Because, I mean, the North American diet um, is quite is quite gluttonous. If if you ask me, it's quite gluttonous. It's very gluten and super carbohydrate uh, dense. And it comes in a takeout box. And it comes in excess, it seems like. So I think that's a fairly healthy way to uh, approach that. That's, that's interesting because you just made me think of, of my son and my family and how sometimes I'll see what we're feeding him um, like repetitiously. We're feeding him things with almost no nutritional value. And I'm lying to myself and I'm saying like, oh, well, I'm tired. or Oh, well, I worked a lot today. or Oh, well, I want to do my podcast. But like this is it's, – it's a part of social engineering to give people a cheap, easy, um, deleterious kind of source of – like cheap food, you know. But is but is it, but is it really cheap though? No, not anymore. Well, I mean, well, and and then and then what you spend regretting it, and what you might theoretically have to spend to get rid of it. I don't. I don't think it's all that cheap actually at all. I mean, I, I mean, maybe more than just a monetary thing. I I think it's quite expensive and quite taxing on the system, uh, the physical being system that it is. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I guess people do it mostly because they're so busy, and the more people become busy, the less they'll prioritize things like cooking, which can be feasibly uh, deferred. Giving your kid a good diet, you could say, well, I'll cook tomorrow, or I don't need it today. But you have to call your boss today for that meeting. You have to pick your kid up from school. You have to do all this crap. Um, and that's kind of how I feel living in modern society. Like the demands on our time are increasing, but the means to live a healthy life within the context of those demands um, is diminishing. I totally agree. And, and I'll use even tonight as a good, a good example. So both of my daughters are gone for the night to their aunt's house. And so it's just my wife and I. And I still struggled to get dinner on the table quick enough. Um I was eating just as recently as just a moment before we hooked up and and I've been home for a few hours. You know what I mean? You know, I've been home for a few hours and I still, we, we still struggle to get a meal on the table in just a few hours. And just a moment before we hooked up, I had a chicken wing in my mouth, you know, and there's no excuse for that, right? There's no excuse for that. But just imagine in the summertime, you got soccer practice for Johnny 
and Sally's got ballet or gymnastics and one parent's going one way, the other parent's going the other way, you know, it's super easy just to slide into an in and out and get some greasy burgers or a pizza wheel or something. And for a guy who's like a thinker and I've always been kind of a roamer, person who likes to, my wife knows that I need space and time. I'm an only child. And so, you know, that's even more, I want to get my alone time too, as well as um, all my other responsibilities. So I don't, I mean, I, I could say I clean a fair amount, but I don't really cook except for breakfast. It's embarrassing for me to say that. <laughs> uh, sometimes I don't even know how I can call myself a good, um, completely a, a good father if the fuel I'm giving to my son is poisoning him. And it's living with that guilt. See, that's too bad. So you live in South Carolina. I mean, there's there's great barbecue there. You 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 haven't picked up any barbecuing skills or any of the you know the the sweet sticky ribs. Sure, of course, but he you know, it's also a discipline issue which the whole family struggles with. But at least me, I'm most I'm the best at that angle of it. But he gets you know, snacks and um, that desensitizes him to sugar and you requires more to get that dopamine hit. So our kids, and, and, and I'm a teacher, and I see how children's appetites for media are also being hyper-stimulated, and they're constantly um, being put on, they're constantly just consuming so much high adrenaline content, people dying, two-second oh. cases. And big time, it, big the time. The whole culture is, is what we're consuming is meant to kill us, I believe, ultimately. So, I, I don't want to stray away from that. Um, what age group of kids do you teach? Um, I teach eighth grade. So, how do you navigate what you're just talking about? How do you navigate that with young adults, right? Because in grade eight, um, you're on the cusp of knowing everything. Um, you're still young enough that you're naive and you can get away with saying, well, I didn't know, right? I'm still a kid. But you're right on the cusp of... Uh, you know what I mean? You're right on the cusp of adulthood and becoming a teen and uh, puberty is right there. I mean, some, some kids have, you know, you know what I mean? Like how, how do you navigate all that stuff? Especially when you got like uh, video games, um, you've got a war, you've got two wars going on right now. I mean, it's kind of hard to deny that stuff. Uh, how do you navigate that? You let the ones that you have to let go go because you, um, you see how without parental support, if a kid's in an environment where they're just being given a tablet and let go, uh, there's nothing you can really do to ameliorate that. Um, maybe in some extremely extreme cases, you can get a kid to wake up, but that's the exception. So what you do is you focus on the kids who are still connected to this world and try to get them, keep them away from that self-hypnosis, that circle of consumption that keeps us suffering and consuming garbage all day but you can't leave any kids behind though right i mean you can clearly see johnny and sally in the corner that are just addicted to the ipad and you know what i mean you probably know what the home's life home life is like even though you don't want to judge but you probably have a good idea what's going on there i mean you can't leave them behind though right like what do you do about that i i, I try not i try to emotionally involve them as much as i can um, and praise them as much as I can with the hopes that they'll develop the confidence to try something new. But it's kind of just like I'm I'm just pushing the car and like they have to start the engine. And the parents um, are kind of the ones who are supposed to be maintaining the engine. 
Um, and I feel like I'm just pushing it, like I'm trying to kickstart it, you know what I mean, sometimes, and usually I, I can't. It's actually a lot of feelings of inadequacy um, as a teacher. Like, I love doing it, but you really see how most people can't be extricated from their environments. They, they can't be... It takes more than just a teacher, I guess, is what I'm, is what I'm saying. It's tricky, right? Because realistically, they're with you 25% of the time. The other 75% of the time, you have no control over what's going on. That's mom, dad, brothers, sisters, grandparents. You have no control over what they're eating. Not that you would, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you have no... You, whatever rules you have in your classroom, they might go out the window um, when you're not around. And they, and they might for those, you know, that small select group that might be... I don't want to call them problematic, but... You just don't know, right? You you might see them underperforming in class, but there's nothing more you can do. I, 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 how, I, I don't know. What, what do you do about that? That's that's so many kids because their parents are doing the same thing that they are. So I, I really try to focus on identifying the kids' strengths and just putting that on blast and amplifying it as best as, as I can. If I see a kid is funny, I push him toward trying things that are comedy-based. But... If I see a kid who's bookish, I try to push him toward robotics or chess club or debate club, and I try to direct him toward opportunities that are intellectually stimulating. But the crisis of apathy, of hyperstimulation, where people don't react to information delivered through a purely textual medium the way that they used to, I guess is what I'm saying. They require like an interactive experience. And look, I can do that sometimes, but part of living an adult life is learning how to manage boredom and they have no tolerance for it. So. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I think what you just said there is really important. Um, there's nothing wrong with being bored and there's nothing wrong with not knowing what to do for a hot minute. Yeah. I don't think there's, I, I think that's a skill on, on skill onto its own. Um, just having a moment where there's nothing to do. The TV's not on. You don't have a computer, a pad, or a phone in your hand and you just don't know what to do. I don't, I think, I think that's actually quite powerful and, and knowing, and knowing that that's okay for just a moment or even a few minutes. I don't, I don't see a problem with that. And it's yeah, to what you said, um, it's okay to be bored. I think it, it is. I think it's essential sometimes because these kids have no opinions about much. How can you develop your opinions if you're not just sitting and thinking sometimes that's how they're going to take advantage of us. Not because when I'm talking about they, I mean, there are people who are trying to, I think like farm us. It's a whole big rigmarole bullshit thing, but uh, they're trying to put us into a state of apathy where they just automate as much as possible and they direct our consumption as much as possible. And we can work for our money and they can reroute algorithmically as much of our attention and resources as they possibly can. And I think that's where we're headed. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but, I think about that a lot. Yeah, no doubt. I get it. Um, so what do you do for your own well-being? Uh, because um, I spent a lot of my life being fairly non, uh, not, I'm not going to say sentimental, but I, I spent a lot of my life not caring how other people felt necessarily. Like, that's your job. You chose to do that. That's on you. But I feel like as I get older... I'm a little more sympathetic to to some degree. I don't want to be labeled as somebody who is sympathetic, but to some degree I am. But I'm interested. Um, you go home with that. 
Uh, what do you do? What do you do about that? I just basically detach. I see it as a doctor might, you know, not comparing myself to a doctor in any like like meritorious way, I guess. I'm saying that they go in and in order to perform the best job possible, they have to see um, their patient kind of just as a task, as like a like a machine would maybe see a set of processes. And if I get upset and if I like start letting their bullshit bring me down at all, I will not be able to teach effectively anymore. So out of, I guess it's necessity that helps me do that. Um, I, at school, I certainly care a lot about my kids' well-being, um, but I would, I don't carry that. And be honest, I don't carry that care home with me at all. I'm just gonna grab uh, my charger really quick because my computer is deader than I thought. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So then, you know what? Um, with that information, let's jump into podcasting because uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm I'm a little, I don't want to say envious, but I'm impressed with your show. And I was, I was really happy to be on your show. Uh, I was impressed with how many people listened so quickly. I'm not so sure how you get those numbers so fast, but uh, let's talk about that. So this is a good opportunity to plug your show, The the Psychic Plumage. Please go ahead, Lawrence. I, I love it. I, I, I'm trying to get the quad digits. So, I mean, I'm, it's a modest show, but I just try to share it with relevant communities. That's all I know. It is. That's all I've been able to really figure out is to get some viewers going to a subreddit, maybe. And if it's pertinent, if it's not just shameless self promotion, that's for like your episode, for example. People sent me messages about what you were saying about mill writing. You, I don't know if that's the proper term for it. Sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Let's make it up. They were saying how, how it helped them. And they didn't know a lot of the things you were telling them and they were thinking about a career in the trades and just stuff like that. I mean, getting it out to the community, giving it use um, is really cool and people liked it. And I get the people on my show, I like them because I've noticed that um, many of them kind of have like an inflection point in their lives or very psychologically, like kind of off the beaten path, but successful <clears throat> sort of people who are leaders in particular feel the last guy I had was an Ethiopian guerrilla fighter, became an actor, um, and his father owned a bakery in Ethiopia. He was arrested for like 10 years. He was in prison, and he came to America in 1970. And he's, it's kind of, and I like, I do lots of tangential, tangential connections and stuff. I don't know if I fuck that word up or not. But think about how, you know, with AI and um, a lot of autom automated content, content generated automatically. <clears throat> I wonder about these people, these interesting jobs, and what sort of future they'll have um, in a future where we don't really like, like a mill right, like when will that become automated? Or when will we be able to produce a totally believable acting, for example, the last guy was an actor, totally believable movies via AI that perfectly um, render you know, Muscle Pro, and who knows when that is. Now, I could be just talking out of my ass right now, and the singularity could never. Um, I accept that possibility, but I'm not as worried as I was about it, but I'm very worried about it. I know there was a lot. So, no, it was great. No, um, so what made you buckle down and do this? 
because I know my story. I'm not, I'm not going to tell it, but like, what what made you decide, fuck it, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to start doing a podcast because it's a lot. It's it's a goddamn a lot sometimes. I'm going to try to clarify what I said before to fit this current question. I feel like we're becoming more and more closed off for each other, even though we're more connected than we ever have been. Oh, for sure. Big time. Lie awake at night and think to myself, you know, there are so many people I haven't spoken to, and I just want to reach out to people at this time when people are more paranoid, when interracial violence and angst and depression reality are all really high. I, I want to become part of a movement against that, even if it means just one-to-oneing people and getting their message out to a few hundred viewers. I, I, I got a lot of respect for that. So how, how are you promoting? Sometimes I'll go on um, Reddit, or sometimes the guy will post it on their channel. That happens sometimes. I don't. I could be a lot more assertive. I go on Facebook. I'll just be like, "What? What, what is that guy doing? Like, what's his deal?" And I'll look into him, and then I'll just. I don't really post a lot on Twitter. I don't really post. You know, it's. I didn't have any social media whatsoever for about uh, eight or nine years. Eight years, and. Um, only gotten it since I started having a podcast. So, so I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on X. I'm having a hard time calling it that, but I'm not on X. Um, I am on Reddit, but uh, yeah, you know what? I totally agree. Um, so my cousin is a fairly well, well-known podcaster, let's say, and I mean he's active on everything. He's on the TikTok. He's on X, he's on Facebook, he's on Instagram. But that's kind of what he does. He he runs a marketing company, excuse me, and I just can't do it. I have no time for tech talk. I mean, uh, what little information I know about it, I can't subscribe to that. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, uh, I'm actively, actually, I'm actively trying to get off my phone is what I'm trying to do. Um, my wife and I do everything we can, you know, once dinner's over, the phone goes away. So, so I can't, I can't engage more on social media. I can't do the Instagram. I'm already on Facebook and I'm already on it too much, right? You find yourself at work for a hot minute and you're like, oh yeah, what's going on? Even though you're not looking at at anything, that's the problem. But, uh, I mean, that's what I'm having a problem with is getting an outreach and, and getting, Getting my message, we'll call it a message, getting it out there to, to new listeners, uh, that's a problem for me. And Is that a problem for you? It's a problem that it's a problem that I maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe that's a problem, and I should be. But I feel like thinking about it like that and plugging it here and being on TikTok, I feel that's a way to get me to just subsume myself in all of that interconnectivity, media bullshit, when really what I just want to do is talk to people and not, man, I, I, it's, that's a hard question. Well, don't, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. I don't want to become lost in the, in the marketing and in and, um, the viewership. I, I just want to focus on talking to people who interest me, I guess. You know what? I re- I resonate with that completely. Um, you, you, based off of what I can see, I can see that you have more, you know, listeners, let's say, than I have, 
but uh, I, I don't I don't allow that to bother me. Not not that it should, but uh, but I do it for the same reasons. I do it because I want to speak to you, Lawrence. I want to speak with the last guest I had on, and I wanted to speak with the person that was on before them for their own unique reasons. Whether it was an old friend, uh, whether it was. Uh, uh, you know, I, I had a, a, a local radio personnel on uh, because he was a pretty cool fucking dude and I wanted to meet him. And this was a pretty good excuse to have what I would deem a local celebrity come to my house and shoot the shit for an hour and a half. You know, you know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're all chasing those numbers to some degree. I mean, I, I would I would love to wake up one morning and find out. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, I've I've got a thousand a thousand new streams overnight. I mean, I would love for that for no other reason than just self gratification. For sure. Oh, the ego is awesome. I mean, you know, it's a sliver of it. I think the ego is kind of a sliver of everything. So that doesn't mean all that much. So is that what keeps you going? Just a good conversation and just and just the drive to just keep having good chats and and to better yourself with it. You know, when I was downstairs kind of getting ready for this i think about stuff a lot i'm like what am i going to say in the beginning of the show i always say something kind of as the kids say autistic um i'm kind of i can be a little awkward but you know what i was saying to myself that whole time i was fretting about it uh, here's something i care about here's something that i look forward to and there's a person who i'm actually connecting with and we're benefiting each other's lives and if we hadn't both reached out and done this this that's that happiness that we've you know garnered is not to be underestimated. I think. So it's funny you say that because that's what I, well, I could say my next question. But I was going to ask you what like what 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 do you want to get out of this? But you just told me you're that's what you're looking for. That's what yep. you want. Personal gratification. It's not so much the listens or gratification uh, via likes or subscribes or reshares or anything. Uh, you just told me, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, even though I only have a shitty camera and a shitty microphone, and my lighting's kind of weird right now because of technical restraints, it doesn't matter to me. Like I can look at that stuff and say, "Yeah, I need to fix that," but I'm not ashamed. If anything, I'm, I'm proud. I'm doing it despite my limitations. If I could, I would love to buy you a microphone. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, you're a tradesman, so you make much more than me. <laughs> I would love to just send you a microphone. I'm not a wealthy man, but I would love to have one delivered to your door. <laughs> you, you, you know, if you're listen, if you are going to murder someone, just I work between this hour and this hour. Send me that microphone. I'll leave the door unlocked because I need one. Okay? <laughs> oh yeah, shit! I know. I only have this stuff because I'm a musician, right? And I'm not even like I'm. A, I say a musician, right? Like I mean, I play, but. You know, my, my, my touring days, if you want to call them, you're kind of in behind me. Uh, so, but I mean, I, I've, I'm, I'm privy to, to quality equipment and this, and then the podcasting just came because I've got some good stuff, but, uh, I know. Yeah. Shit. But buy yourself a microphone, Lawrence, just do yourself a favor. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely will. I will consult with you on it. And I really appreciate you saying you love to buy me a microphone. <laughs> I don't actually think you're a murderer. I'm just a paranoid person. I get it. It's I don't know why. <laughs> my, my mom and dad do crap. You know. <laughs> well, they're from Jersey, right? Yeah. So what else is there to do but you know, smoke crack with your partner? I mean, 
I mean, I've never been to Jersey, but I mean, I've watched enough TV. I know what's going on there. Decent amount of crack, especially in Newark Airport, where people come and go all the time. The stench is unbearable. There's a lot of crack. And the roaches are like southern quality. It's pretty impressive. I mean, if that's what you deem impressive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I'm interested. Um, I'm fascinated with American culture. Um, it's gotten me in trouble in the past because I've made it well known that um, I'm pro-America. Um, for whatever reason, I mean, I'm not pro everything America, but I mean, I'm pro America. I mean, I, I'm pro, uh, is, uh, not is, <laughs> I gotta edit that. <laughs> I'm, I'm pro England and I'm pro Argentina and I'm pro Brazil and I'm pro, you know, Australia. I mean, I, I think just everyone should do what they gotta do, but, sure, your but, but I'm definitely, I, I think a lot of Americans and I'm going to get some flack over that, but like. I mean, what's going on down there? You tell me. You're on the street. What's going on? You just tell me. I know we don't have a whole lot more time, but just, like, you tell me what's going on down there. Well, I, th- I actually think the education system is a big part of it um, because, not because it should be making kids better, but it should be filtering kids more. Um, rather than letting kids fail and encouraging kids to trades who like to work with their hands and encouraging kids who, you know, maybe doesn't want to read ELA, but like do book shit, but he's really good at math. He wants to be an electrician. Push him toward being an electrician. But so many high school counselors act as though that's the option. Kids don't fail. They push everyone into college. They all get debt. They spend time partying, doing drugs in college because many of them can't keep up with the coursework and shouldn't do so they'll play a sport. We glorify that culture. That's kind of I'm not saying sport culture is bad necessarily, but people identify with the aggression and like they identify with it's it's also strangely, even though no one fails, it's also a hyper competitive environment ego wise. Like people are constantly flexing in America so badly. Uh, and there's a lack of deference and uh, consideration, I think, for um, outside opinions. I don't know. It's, we're, we're very self-referential. I love, don't get me wrong. Americans are also generous. Um, I think we're friendly. I think oh, yeah. we're, we're good talkers. And I love the people from Jersey. I love their benighted wit. And I love their, you know, kind of um, coarse feel it's just but but yeah there's a lot of trouble in america right now so you spoke of the guidance counselors in school i mean i feel like that mimics the story i told you about my path that the guidance counselor talked me out of going to trade school um that i mean that might that i mean that might have might not have any borders that could just be a, a north american thing but uh the patriotism and and the friday night lights type thing uh i call it the friday night lights thing um, the, the pride and where you're from is, is fierce. And I got a lot of respect for that. I mean, it's regional. Uh, yeah. Well, it's regional because see, it's interesting. So our provinces here in Canada are for the most part fucking huge. You know what I mean? Like all our provinces are like the size of Texas, except for, you know, except for you get into the Maritimes, you know, Nova Scotia and PEI and New Brunswick and, you know, some of the smaller ones, they're small. But Ontario's humongous. Quebec is monstrous. 
the Northwest Territories and Nunavut and Yukon, British Columbia, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, they're enormous land masses. So it's tough to have a regional it's tough to have a regional feel on that, I think, like you guys have cuz you guys are I mean, obviously your your states are smaller, but they're, you know, broken down into counties and you got, you know, this county versus this county and the Friday night football game and and there's a real sense of community there that that I really I really envy. I won't lie. Yeah. There, there, it's it's definitely hyper regional in America, especially I feel the smaller states, New Jersey, um, New York. I mean, you know, New York's not a small state, but um, kind of New Jersey always prides itself on being not New York and kind of have, but still being tough, but living a little bit nicer because not everywhere is New York Airport. But yeah, I mean, you have that, you know, like that's your country, that's your real nation the nation of your of your state or even your region like northern jerseyans are more brash and quicker southern jerseyans drive really slow but you know there's there are those tiny variations 50 miles down and 50 miles down the road huge variations so you know what's funny you say uh, you said 50 miles you, you know what uh, an old buddy of mine he was he was born and raised in south florida his name's ray um so he married a canadian woman who turned out to be a neighbor of my wife and I just a couple of doors down from the town that we used to live in. Um, so she married him. She moved to South Florida. They moved back to Canada a handful of years ago. We were at the bonfire one night shooting the shit, and he noticed, he goes, did you ever notice if somebody asks how far away something is? In Canada, we say it's minutes. But in the States, you say miles. Miles, always, so when somebody asks me how far away the city of Toronto is from where I live, I will tell them it will take you two hours and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I have no concept of how many kilometers. I mean, we use kilometers here, obviously. I And I have no concept of the mile structure, but I would never tell somebody how many kilometers away it is from somewhere. I tell you how long it takes for me to get there, whereas the American way... Is there to the point, and they will say it is X amount of miles away. About two miles away, especially for shorter distances. But everyone everyone here in Canada will tell you how many minutes away it is. That's so interesting. I don't know. I can't fathom why that is. I mean, I don't know how many Canadian people you talk to outside of me, Lawrence, but I'm telling you, that's that's a fucking super Canadian way to talk. How far away is it? It is 10 minutes that way. Way better, way better. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna sit here, not gonna sit here and debate whether it's better or worse. But that's just something that I have had a keen eye to as I listen to other podcasts because I consume a lot of American content. Sure. As I think I told you last time, um, and and just in TV and just in social, just being around, you can't help but be influenced by the American market. And everyone says, ah, it's twenty miles. Yeah, and it's I I don't even really know what that means. Like I'll say that, but like I'm like, how long does it really take to go there? I I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to translate it into into kilometers or, or miles. Well, I believe, I believe one kilometer is one point six miles. That's your scary Canadian math. I know nothing. I about know, it. like what the fuck? I wouldn't even, right? <laughs> say, I wouldn't even say kilometer in normal conversation. You know, what would be cool if just. The Americans just went with the rest of the world and just adopted the metric system. Well, you know, we got to stand out. 
even if that means we're being dumbasses. Look at and you know what? I couldn't tell you what four centimeters looks like, but you tell me what four inches. I know exactly what four inches is, and I don't know if that scales out on the computer screen well enough. But like, I work with metal. I know what four inches. That's actually yeah, that's pretty cool. You can just, I, like, I know what a foot looks like, and I could and I could eyeball an eighth of an inch from ten feet away because I know what ten feet is. But if you ask me what seven meters is and four centimeters to the left, I haven't got a clue. I got to do the math. I do the math in my head. I turn it into inches and feet, and then I make a triangle and I do what I got to do. I don't even mess with shapes. I don't go there. Ned didn't learn that. You're a teacher, Lawrence. Come on, man. Well, not math. I stay away from that. Geometry, <laughs> stay away. I tell kids, I don't know. Don't ask me. I didn't get this job to talk about math. So what do you teach? I teach ELA, and I tutor a little bit of Arabic, but not so much anymore. That's the only teaching experience I have. Oh, I did history for a year as well. I don't know what ELA is. That's English language arts. They combine oh, okay. it to be just English, but now it's, it sounds fancy. I guess. It sounds it. more sophisticated. Fair enough. All right, Lawrence. Well, it is 738. Uh, yeah, I know you got to go. It's all good, brother. Uh, because we're going to cut this loose, and then we're going to spend a quick minute shooting the shit, and then uh, you're going to go do what you got to do with your lovely family. So, you know what? Thank you, bro. Uh, Lawrence, we're going to do this again. Absolutely. We're going to plan it out a little bit better. I got a free trial of this program, which only limits me to two hours a month anyways, so this is maybe a blessing on its own right. Um, we're going to do this again. Um, I'm going to make you a friend of the Tie That Binds podcast, so you, you won't you won't be a stranger. And if you ever need a guest on the Psychic Plumage, um, I'm your guy. So uh, do do a quick little... Uh, do do uh, do your own uh, self representation. Uh, promote yourself. Let's get out of here and uh, go do your family thing. Okay. Well, um, I'm the psychic plumage. I have no idea who my next guest is going to be, but I encourage you to watch my previous guests, such as a convicted murderer turned author, an Ethiopian guerrilla fighter, political refugee, and a self proclaimed prophet. If you, that sounds interesting to you, go for it. The psychic plumage on YouTube. That's all I have to say. That's it, Lawrence. You're the best. Uh, it's really good Thank to have you, you on. And this is this, is this is this is a good uh, uh, experiment for me to learn how to do this uh, remote shit. Because, I mean, all my guests are in in person. So, I mean, I mean this. I mean, I got to learn how to do this somehow. So, you're 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 a good uh, you're a good guy to help me out. Yeah, sure. I'm all right. Important. So you can we can fuck up. You know. That's it exactly. Thanks a lot, Lawrence. You're the best. Thank you, Ty.